Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Well, the first thing you'll be glad to hear is that I have taken a 35-minute talk and uh, condensed it into what is now going to be a 12-minute talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the testimonies that you've heard today were absolutely fantastic, and it was great to hear what God has done in the lives of Sarah, David, and Stephen. And so, uh, they got there by night. Today is all about what they uh, what they did in this pool behind me, so I'm just going to... Do this as we go. We're going to see what comes out. So if you're a guest this day, you're very welcome. I'm sure those who got baptised uh, would want me to pass on their thanks to you for coming if you're here to support them. Uh, like Matt said, you're uh, joining us as we're working through uh, a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. It's actually a letter. It's a letter that a Christian guy called Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. Uh, almost 2,000 years ago, in the first century AD. Uh, we're in the third chapter, or the third part of this letter today. And um, we've seen over the last few few weeks as we've come together as Mosaic Church that Paul has been building an argument in the beginning of this letter. And these verses that we're looking at today, it's, it's actually Paul concluding his argument from the beginning of this letter. And Paul is going to summarise his main points from the first three chapters and give us one thing that he wants us to hear and take away and understand. And that one thing that he wants us to hear, wants the church to hear, is don't deceive yourselves and end up settling for second best. That is the thing that Paul wants to say to the Corinthian church. And that idea of settling for second best is something we know a lot about in our culture. Uh, we talk about it in lots of different contexts, but maybe the two most common are jobs and relationships. Um, maybe you're here and you've just qualified from uni with a degree, or you're about to qualify from uni, and you're looking for your first job, or you've been in the same job for a while and you've been building up your experience and your qualifications within that job, and you're looking to take the next career step, the next progression. Uh, in both cases, you're not going to want just any job. You want the best job, and you want the right job for you. And um, There are even people today that have careers out of finding you the best job. Uh, that will bring you the most satisfaction and they will tell you don't you dare settle for second best the perfect job is out there for you and your career or you're looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend or you're looking for somebody that maybe you'd like to get married to and you think well I'm a funny person or I'm a kind person or I'm an attractive person or I'm an athletic person they were just taken from my own personal experience <laughs> so you don't want to settle for any old person to date you want to be with somebody good you want to be with somebody that you deserve and um, you can even go on dating websites this is what church leaders do in their spare time you can go on dating websites and they will tell you signs that show you you might be in a relationship where you're settling for second best. One tip was to be concerned if you're irritated by your partner. I was like, that's everybody in the room. <laughs> I'm sure you're all very happy with your partner. Or maybe you're happily married and you're in a good job, but it's your house you want to change. Or you uh, want to change and improve your car. Or it's your finances, you wish you had more money in the bank, or where you go on holiday. Our culture screams at us, don't settle for second best. That the world can offer us so much more than what we have. So in my life, I hate settling for second best, and I notice it most often in the small things. 
So I, um, I don't really like Costa coffee. I do like Starbucks coffee. I feel, thank you. I feel like I have settled for seven less if I am drinking a latte from a Costa shop rather than a Starbucks shop. Or, another thing that I notice is, I feel like I've settled for second best if I don't have the right brand. So I have a body warmer. It's not just any body warmer. It's a North Face body warmer. Anybody else got North Face body warmer? <laughs> well, I know, this is my second so I know half of you are lying. The second thing is I like Converse shoes. I'm wearing a pair of high-rise navy blue Converse shoes. I don't want Converse rip-off shoes. I want Converse all-star shoes. I want the right brand. Because I think if I get the right coffee, or if I wear the right brands, I feel like I've made it. I feel like I'll get some kind of satisfaction from having those things. But what Paul tells this church in this letter is, actually, by doing that, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves, we're lying to ourselves when we think like this. He's going to tell the church that to get the best and to find the most satisfying and fulfilling life, they should not look to what the world can offer. He's going to tell the church, actually, you have so much more than what the world could ever offer because of what God has done for you and what God has made you into. He doesn't want them to end up missing out on what they have in, from God in favour of something that is rubbish by comparison. Uh, now, this is difficult because this is where my preach, I'm going to say, Paul's going to tell the church three things, and he's not. He's going to tell the church two things because he has less time than he thought he did. <laughs> firstly, he's going to say, like I've been saying, don't deceive yourself. So, firstly, in verses 18 to 21, Paul says, Do not deceive yourselves. We're in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18 here. Do not deceive yourselves. If anyone thinks, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. So Paul is telling the church, don't deceive yourselves. To deceive is to convince somebody of something that isn't true. It's basically to lie to them. So Paul is telling the church, don't lie to yourself, don't deceive yourself. He says, don't look to be wise compared to the standards of this age, compared to the standards of the world, but become like a fool in the world's eyes so that you can become truly wise in God's eyes. Now in Corinth, which is where this church was based, they thought that to be wise was to indulge in the world, to take everything that the world offers. Um, and in this way, they would avoid settling for second best. And they specifically indulged in two ways. Firstly, it was all about sensual pleasure. They loved things that made them feel good. Good food, good wine. But in Corinth, really, they just loved sex. They idolised sex. They adored sex. Sex was the big thing. The second thing that they indulged in was they loved intellect. Now, um, at the time you have Corinth, but you also have another city nearby called Athens. Now, Athens at the time is the centre of debate and um, the latest ideas, but Corinth wants to kind of challenge their position. And so they would prize those people who seemed more wise than others, had more elaborate and more interesting things to say, maybe more engaging than other people. And inside the church of Corinth, it's not much different. The people in this church are, they're struggling to leave behind the central driven lifestyle they once led, and they're also struggling to leave behind the desire to follow the latest hot topics of debate and the debaters that introduce them. 
Now, in verse 21, Paul introduced or said that strange phrase where he said, no more boasting about men. Now, if you're new today, what we've seen over the last few weeks is this church was divided over different men that came to the church and spoke in the church. And some of them said, well, I follow this guy called Paul because he's got the best theology. What he says is probably most likely to be true. Somebody else goes, well, yeah, fine. But I follow this guy called Apollos because when he preaches, he's got style, he's got rhythm, he's engaging. And somebody else would go, okay, you've got him. I've got, I've got Cephas, otherwise known as Peter. I mean, this guy followed Jesus around for three years. This is the guy that you want to follow. So they're divided between these different men and it's causing division in the church. So to be wise in Corinth was to indulge heavily in the world in those two areas, sensual pleasure and the latest intellect. Does it sound like anything at all like Leeds in the 21st century today? We want everything that the world offers. We don't want second best. We want it in the best experiences we can find. Like the Corinthians, we want to feel good. We want good food. We want nice drinks. We too want lots of sex. We also love the latest theories and people telling us how to get the best lifestyle. Lifestyle advice from people like Paul McKenna, who can make you rich and thin and get a successful career. Or Jeremy Kyle, who can solve even your weirdest of social problems. <laughs> it's Christmas time. What are you going to get at Christmas time? You've got to get a cookbook. Somebody's going to give you a cookbook. Why are they giving you a cookbook? Because you want the best food. You want to know how to cook the best food with the lowest possible cal calories in the shortest amount of time. I've just plugged Jamie Oliver's book for it. <laughs> Magazines on our shelves today, they're full of hints and tips of how to get the best sex and go on the best diet to feel as good as we can and look as good as we can. We are so like the Corinthians. And Paul is telling the church, don't lie to yourself, don't deceive yourself and think that these things, the things of the world are what are important or what fully satisfy. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, is this all the world has to offer? That was what Stephen was saying in his testimony. Is there anything more than this? Maybe you're fortunate to have got the job that you were looking for, um, but it's not really lived up to your expectations. Maybe it wasn't the perfect job that you thought it was going to be. Or you've just changed relationships and you've noticed the same things are wrong with this boyfriend as were wrong with the last boyfriend. Maybe you've read all the life coaching books, but you don't really feel like they've answered some of your deepest and hardest questions about life and the meaning of life. Or maybe you've read all about positive thinking that hasn't really helped when suffering or hard times have come your way. If I look at my life, it's marked with skipping from one thing to the next, searching for satisfaction. So when I was young, um, I'm, I'm a child of the PlayStation 1. There's so many things now that I don't understand, but PlayStation 1 games. So when I was young, I wanted the newest game with the most entertaining, entertaining gameplay. But I'd play that and then it would get a bit boring. So I'd want the next one and I'd play that and it would get a bit boring. And so I'd play the next one. And that cycle would keep going and keep going. It always left me wanting more. Then it was exercise equipment so I could get fit and look good, which is why I look like I do now. <laughs> So firstly, I got myself a rowing machine. I thought, right, I'm going to get fitter. Steve Redgrave, that's me. So and I did get a little bit fitter, but it didn't make me feel how I wanted to feel. So then, then I bought a sit-up board to do stomach crunches on, which is just hilarious. If, yeah, anyway, um, and that failed to make me feel good as well. 
And for me, it's also about food. So I love good food and I love good coffee, how it tastes and the sense that gives me some kind of comfort or pleasure. But again, it's only for a short time. I eat and I drink and then I just want the next and the next and the next. Now what I'm saying is that all of these things are good. They're, they're fine things. There's nothing wrong with them. But they all fall short of fully satisfying us. Paul is throwing out this challenge to this church. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. And settle for the things of this world. Don't aim to be wise by the standards of this age. The passage says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Maybe today you hit, you're here and you've realised in some area of your life you've deceived yourself and you've lied to yourself. You've believed that a job, a relationship, a house or a degree or more food or more sex would bring you true and lasting satisfaction, fulfilment and joy, and then it didn't and it left you feeling empty. Maybe today God wants to show you something else is on offer so you don't settle for second best, something that can never satisfy you. Paul ends this letter, or this section of the letter, with verses 21 verse, through verse 23. And he says, all things, he's speaking to the church here, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. What Paul is saying to this church is, you're looking for things in the world to satisfy you. You, as a church, have something so, so, so much better on offer. He's saying, he begins in verse 21, all things are yours, is how Paul begins. Paul is going to say to the church that they're seeking things from this world and they're seeking things from the men they boast about and the men that they're dividing the church over. And Paul is saying, you're being led astray by these things. Actually, everything is yours. Everything belongs to you. This is a massive, massive statement. He carries on by going, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Paul is saying, these men, these intellects that you're boasting about, these guys are just servants sent to serve the church. Don't boast about them. They're just there preaching the message of God, speaking to you about God's goodness. Um, Hannah was up here a few weeks ago, and she said it's a little bit like the church has gone out for a nice meal, but they're just boasting about, oh man, that waiter, he was brilliant. The way he picked up my plate from one area and he walked over, missing all the tables and chairs put out as obstacles for him, and then managed to put it down on my table. What a waiter. Paul's saying, really? Because I was, I was thinking the food was pretty good, and I was boasting about the food and, and the chef. That's what you should boast about when you go for a good meal. And he's saying to the church, don't boast about these guys that stand up at the front and tell you things. Don't boast about their style or how they say it. Boast about what they're saying. Boast about what we've heard today, that Jesus has died for the sins of this church, that Jesus loves this church, that Jesus is, is so enamored with affection for this church that he would go to the cross to have a relationship with them. And Paul doesn't even stop there. He goes further. He says, all the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours. This is an insanely large statement to make. Paul is saying it's not just the men that are sent to serve the church. Paul is saying, ultimately, everything in all creation, everything the church sees around them, this is what the church receives. 
Paul is saying, don't be deceived and run after the things of this world, the temporary pleasures, the things that look wise. One day you receive the whole thing. The Bible tells us that one day God is going to entrust this whole creation to his church, to his people. We will be a kingdom over the whole earth and we will rule over it with God as the ultimate authority and Jesus as the king on the throne. Christians believe one day Jesus will return to restore this world to how it was meant to be with mankind and God in right relationship with each other and with the earth. We will live forever with him, resurrected in bodies that don't suffer, that don't decay, that don't feel pain, in a creation where there's no death, no mourning, and where God himself is physically present with us. Do you see why Paul is saying, don't deceive yourselves and settle for the things of this world when this is what is on offer for you? And interestingly, you can ask why? Like, why has the church got this amazing gift coming to it? No offence, church, but we are just rubbish, sinful, useless people. That's what we heard in the testimonies today. They said, I'm no good, but Jesus has done something in me. That's the story of every person in the church. Why do we get this amazing gift? Well, verse 23, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God, because we belong to Jesus. We are his. All things, the whole creation belongs to Jesus, and we belong to him because he bought us and he saved us at the cross and secured our relationship with him through his resurrection. All things come under the authority of Jesus, and it is his pleasure to promise them to the church. If you're, if you're not a Christian today, if you wouldn't say you have a relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, this is what is on offer. This is the Christian life. I don't know if you've ever heard it spoken about like this before, but this is what life with Jesus is all about. You have a choice. You can pursue the immediate temporary pleasures of the world, even if they seem great, or you can start a relationship with God who created all things. You can run after power in your career now, or believe that God came, and he says one day you can become part of a kingdom over the whole earth. You can run after temporary relationships now or develop a relationship with God who created all intimacy. You can seek wealth in this world or follow Jesus and inherit the whole thing. Which one sounds like the better option? If you're a logical person here, which one weighs on the scale better? But you might be asking, how can I know if any of this is true, Dave? Well, firstly, God came down to tell us he walked amongst us 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. And Jesus promised us these things. He died for our sins and he rose again to secure our relationship with him and to secure this creation for us in the future. Jesus is historically verified. And the Bible is proved with greater evidence than any other ancient manuscripts. Jesus' resurrection has more evidence for it than any other event of ancient history. God has made himself known to us, given proof of it to us. But you might go, well, how do I know today if it's true? Well, verse 16 that we didn't read earlier, but verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Paul is saying that is the status of the church. The church, the people of God are God's temple and God's spirit lives in them. What that means is God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of God dwells in this room as we meet together. Part of the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal the truth 
about Jesus to people today. The Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, and He reveals to us what Jesus did and what Jesus said, and He can do that to you right now. Maybe as these guys have been standing up here giving their testimony, you felt like a pull on your heart that something that what they're saying has been true. Or as I've been speaking, there's been something stirring inside you saying, maybe, maybe there's something more to this than I first thought. That's the Holy Spirit of God calling out to you saying, I want to start a relationship with you today. Lastly, to the church yourselves, this is what we've been given because we belong to Jesus. Let's not sell ourselves short by running after the things of this world. Maybe today you're here and you know you've been running to what the world offers a little bit too much recently. You're trying to find satisfaction there and you know that's never going to work. Maybe today you need to say sorry to God and ask him to fill you with his presence again and remind you of his love for you and the rest of the church. Christians believe that God is a loving, heavenly Father. He is a gracious God who gives his Son so that we can have an incredibly close and intimate relationship with him now, but also for an eternity in an amazing future. Don't look to this world to try and find a better offer. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't lie to yourselves and settle for a second best, which by comparison is absolutely rubbish. I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to invite the band back up. And Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity we've had to gather together today. Thank you for Sarah, Stephen and David and committing their lives to you. Father, I want to pray for the people in this room today. Lord, I want to pray for anybody here who's feeling like they've been running to the world and the world doesn't satisfy them. They've been running to the world to find fulfillment, but it's let them down time and time again. Lord, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts of a greater and a better truth. Lord God, that you, our loving Father, who gave your Son to take our sin and to promise us the most amazing life, life to the full, life for Jesus, both now and for an eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.